Hello, everybody, and welcome to your second episode of the week of Church is Stupid. Comma, but. I'm Andy. I'm Ruth. And with us today, we have our special guest returning, Elizabeth. Yay, I'm back. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for still being here. You might notice that we did lose one other participant. Um, Elijah is not able to join us. We couldn't find a babysitter, and so he was able to be on earlier because Lily was napping. She woke up. <laughs> but she woke up. So this week, or this, today's episode, will have to be without Elijah. Minus Elijah. We all mourn his loss. Uh, right. He's not dead yet. It's true. <laughs> oh, sorry. Speaking about death and how that's a hard conversation to have, uh, we started our conversation earlier this week into looking at like hard conversations and how they're improperly d- dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so we started the conversation a little bit at the end of last episode of what the proper way is to like actually have these conversations like what it actually means like if you were to come to your pastor with uh, a, a conversation that you know would be considered under this category of a hard conversation and like what the steps may be to actually like that they may have to follow through so it's not oh I can't give you an answer right now because like I need to like like I don't have the answer but it's like a well, I can't give you the answer right now because there's other things that need to happen before I can give you a formal mm-hmm. answer or other things like that. And I'm without knowledge, and so I'm directing the conversation towards you all to, at some point, pick it up here. Oh, I was just going to see how long your tangent went and how oh, long I could until go you for walked forever, yourself. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be well. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be well. It wouldn't. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit last week about what are reasons why me, me and Elizabeth, who both are currently serving as pastors in the United Methodist Church, um, why we might back away from a hard conversation as opposed to, to face it head on. And um, y'all learned a little bit. Our personal, like our personality differences. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we're still good friends. Yay. Because we, we need each other. I need you to calm me down, Elizabeth. Um, and I need you to like challenge me. <laughs> as somebody who's been listening to the conversation uh yeah i agree <laughs> <laughs> thanks andy thanks yeah no problem andy's been stuck here listening once again to our, to our conversation but hey we're fun it's okay uh d- debatable um <laughs> <laughs> he, he misses elijah very much yep. so we can we can all cry with him um but yeah so i i had hinted that that this that's one of the things that i struggle with probably more is not is that I am more willing to tackle the hard conversations, I think, than the United Methodist Church as a whole is. Mm-hmm. is. Is that a fair statement, Elizabeth? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, and and yeah. I think there are reasons for that. Because it's, it's easy for one person to say something. But when you represent an organization that has so many people involved, the process is just going to be slower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's part of accepting being in an organization, even, even a religious organization is that on some level, I think we're all going to hope that things move a little bit quicker than they do. Um, but I have seen the UMC respond to, to some things relatively quickly, uh, depending on what, what the issue is, but yeah. For um, sorry, I I just had to clarify. I wasn't like dogging the UMC real hard there. Just it's just it's where a lot of our examples come from. Yeah, it's, you, know, you know where we grow. I, I think like as pastors, and when we're doing something in, from a pastoral position, we 
it probably wouldn't be the best idea for us to just like go on and on and on about our own Mm -hmm. um, opinion or our own idea. We can certainly incorporate that, but it is very nice to be able to point back to like institutional backings for the conversations. Like, Hey, this is what the or the institution of the United Methodist Church is saying and doing and the resources that they're putting out for us to have these conversations. And so we can have them more thoughtfully than, you know, this isn't just me up somewhere on a, a soapbox screaming at you all. Exactly. And and I would say that's probably where, where my failing tends to be more on is is sometimes not realizing up I'm up on that soapbox. And and acknowledging that hard conversations are not always best done in the moment Mm -hmm. and particularly Mm -hmm. in the emotional heat of the moment. Um, Hard conversations tend to be very, very emotion driven, which is what makes them so difficult. For instance, one, one example that I use a lot is when somebody come when, when someone's loved one passes away and they come to the funeral and they're like, oh, I can't, well, you know, heaven got another angel. And you just, as a pastor, you smile and you nod and you say, yep. Instead of saying, so here's the theology behind why everything you said is exactly wrong. Why? Because that's not really the, that's not the moment, right? Okay. You know, and the sad thing is there are pastors, I think, that have probably done that. Um, So wait, you're telling me when people die, they don't grow wings? Andy, we'll talk after this podcast. Okay, thanks. Please, because I need this information. (laughs) I was all set up. I'm all set up to die and get my wings. So like, (laughs) He's already made all the t-shirts with the wing holes. Yeah. No, they're all pre-cut. <laughs> it's got Velcro. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, you want to not rile people. You don't, gosh, you want to acknowledge that emotions are a part of the conversation, but you want to do it well and honor it so it doesn't go from like bad to absolutely worse than it has to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I think one observation I've made, uh, per- particularly about younger clergy that, that I interact with, is that a lot of us are big yellers. <laughs> um, we... And it's because we've grown up in an institution that has has avoided having these hard conversations for so long that we just we're sick of it, honestly. We just want to see the church change, and we have no real shame in sharing that information, Right. But it, right. it yeah. but the danger is that sometimes that gets into then shaming others. Right? I've seen I've seen it, it's almost like we've created this other extreme where it, we've become so hard and fast in everything that we stand for and everything that we believe that we have a little less flexibility. Right? And when you have a little less flexibility, it's not that's not necessarily good either because the base assumption is that you're always right with everything that you say. And yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that might just be a product of seminary sometimes because <laughs> seminary trains us to like defend our positions so much in paperwork and, you know, in papers that we write on all that kind of stuff. And, and we're being trained to have a position and take it and defend it and speak to it. And, I think um, 
so often, you know, we also need to listen to other people's um, points of view and stuff like that. What are they struggling with? Where, where's their access point? Okay. You want to, I want to say this, but what does the person I'm speaking with want to say as well? Um, And I think that's where sometimes these hard conversations can just die if we're not careful to speak to each other, but we're speaking at each other Mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. And and that, that was, yeah, essentially my point um, that as we, what I've seen from what I've observed is, is the generation of pastors that preceded my own tends to be much more focused on that grace, um, that love, that, that mercy being not making people uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. They swing to the other direction. Yes. So, so where we were raised in a church that sort of avoided these hard conversations so much so that it was just never talked about. Right. That's why a lot of times you'll hear people in an older generation who will say, well, this just wasn't around when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And our generation goes, it was, you just didn't talk about it <laughs> or things, things like that. But for some people, that was their reality. They grew up not talking about it. And because it didn't affect them, they didn't know. Right. right. Yeah. Which is why hard conversations are so important because we need to have these conversations. So that way we can, we can work through them and, and bring light to the struggles of uh, bring light to essentially other people beside yourself mm-hmm. right it's mm-hmm. the idea the world doesn't revolve around you but the extreme out of that that has come from this this we never have any hard conversations ever is is a generation of pastors that's like we are right <laughs> and everyone and else is and wrong. Never be wrong exactly and and it's sort of this it's just kind of this funny dynamic that i've noticed and this is of course I, i'm really talking about the extremes on both sides mm-hmm. but it's it's this pendulum of swinging from one way to another and I think as Elizabeth as you were indicating there's there's a happy medium that I think we need to find in this where we have to have the hard conversations we absolutely have to but we also have to go into them with grace and we have to go into them acknowledging the fact that you might actually be wrong sometimes (laughs) no I mean I believe everything I believe for a reason Mm-hmm. And I, I like to think that most of my, my theology has been biblically sound, but as I find that it's not, I really try to adapt that and nobody's perfect at that. And I know I'm not, um, but I think that's an important part of the process. When you just get to a point where you're like, okay, I know everything, then people can't, they're not willing to hear you. Especially mm-hmm. when you have people who are screaming and jamming hard conversations down people's throats. Sometimes that's absolutely necessary. I believe there are certain things, and, and that's again why I say you have to be really careful with which stances you're going to take. Which which things do you need to just get up and say absolutely no more? What, right? hills, what hills do you die on? What, is like, you know. Yeah. What, what hills are you willing to die and you on? Can't, you can't choose every single one of them, and there are some of them that like... There, there are those hills that are so important that you have to take your stance mm-hmm. and and be pretty unmovable. But then there are some where it's like, well, you know, maybe the color of the walls and the parsonage isn't the hill that I choose to die on today. Um, excuse me, I'm going to die there. <laughs> Andy's like, I want fuchsia. that is my. <laughs> I demand fuchsia, says Andy. Um, you know, what? I'm like reminded of a something that. Um, oh gosh, I'm going to quote the bishop. <laughs> um, that bishop <laughs> I hope Barber he listens. Said, 
I think it's something that Bishop Bard said to our commissioning group, and that is when there's so much difference within your community, you emphasize the fact, what what do we have in common is that we're all following Jesus, Mm -hmm. and we're all going to have different ways of looking at the world and different experiences of the world that are equally valid because that's the experience that we've had. And it's just a matter of keeping that relationship at the center. And I think that's something that sometimes, you know, us younger clergy are really bad at doing is that we come on in and kind of like Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball and we just want to knock it all down. And sometimes we forfeit relationships for that. And then there are on the other extreme, there's people who, um, think any discomfort in a relationship is a bad thing, um, that they don't, they just want that to stay the same and never change. And the happy medium is, you know, you're in a relationship with somebody, you have a relationship with your congregation and having the hard conversations might look different and it might um, change that relationship a little bit, but you're still holding that at the center. You're not holding it so much so that you never want to make anybody uncomfortable, but you're not forfeiting it to die on the hill that you want to die on. So you could say, quoth the bishop, relationship. That is not evermore. I very much. Just kidding. <laughs> did you just try to Edgar Allan Poe that quote? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I had to. I had to untraumatize. Very much paraphrasing what he said. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just teasing. But I had to untraumatize Andy from your your Miley Cyrus wrecking ball um, <laughs> relationship. That was worse, Ruth. I know. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry. By untraumatized, I mean more traumatized. But no, I I love everything that you had to say because I think that it's um, I think there there really is especially when you're having a hard conversation, who do you turn to to have those hard conversations? Like when something happens at annual conference that is really messed up, I have two people that I immediately text and that's pretty much my dad and Elizabeth. Yes. And I'm so honored. And well, and, and you guys are both from completely different uh, theological groundings, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really appreciate both of your insights because we can have those hard conversations and it's because we're friends, right? Or right, my yeah. dad is my dad. We have, we have a relationship that we can build on and, and you and me have disagreed on things in the past and I'm sure we right, will in the future yeah. as well, but we ultimately respect each other's opinions because we yeah. know we're, we're able to have real conversations. And I think I, I like to think that we've changed each other for the better in, in certain ways um, yeah, from, from building think- on that. Yeah, and I think you're like my go-to example. <laughs> when I was at Boston, I, I have to tell you, you were like my go-to example of like my token conservative friend. <laughs> Which I was like, I have a friend, but we're able to have the hard conversation. Not like we were able to have the hard conversations with one another. They'd be like, "Where does she go to seminary?" And I'd be like, "Asbury," and they'd be like, "Oh," and I'm like, "No, she's a nice person." I promise. Well, and I think that that part of part Not of those stereotypes. That's very our Boston. No, no, no. You're fine. I, it, we we've had this conversation before. Yeah, we insult Boston funny. all the time here. We do. <laughs> we just like Boston. What can we say? Uh no. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's this idea that that in order to have these hard conversations, you have to really have that relationship. Yeah. And sometimes I think we forget that. And especially as pastors, we kind of come in and assume the relationship already exists, right? 
So we want to come into a place and be like, okay, I'm your pastor. Therefore you, you need to listen to me or, or I have a right to speak into your life. And in some senses it's like, okay, there is some trust in theory, depending on if the church has had a good relationship with the conference or not. Um, There's this idea that, okay, this is a person who has some sort of authority given to them through the United Methodist church. And therefore they have a right to talk. But when it comes to really, really having those conversations, I, I found it's very difficult to do that until you have an actual personal relationship with that person. Right. Because yeah. why would you, like, I'm not going to text, you know, I'm never going to text Andy to ask him how I think. No. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm not going to text someone that I see once a week in a setting where I'm not even talking to them one-on-one, like a lecturer. You know, I wouldn't text mm-hmm. one of my teachers who I didn't really know and say, hey, what's up with this? <laughs> I'd probably text a friend first because I have that relationship. And sometimes we, we just, we take that for granted, I think. And if someone, if, if somebody who is like, especially if it's a teacher you don't necessarily agree with, who's Mm -hmm. teaching you something that, that challenges or rubs up against your beliefs, um, you tend to want to shut that voice out instantly because you have no personal relationship with them but if you go talk to a friend then you might find that you could actually hear what they're saying and understand their perspective Mm -hmm. because you have that relationship in good faith yeah because you already respect them and you know that they're coming from a good place and I think you know honestly I think that's what this entire pandemic has been hardest on is the relationships between I can only speak for myself but you know the relationships between me and my congregation have you know I think it's suffered a little bit not not to be like boohoo or anything but like that but just because we've lost so much time together we've Mm -hmm. lost an entire year and a half together and suddenly here I am having to make hard decisions without having conversations with people making decisions about shutting down or do we wear masks or when do we reopen and all those like really snap decisions that the pandemic has kind of forced us to have that we don't probably wouldn't naturally have. Um, but that's definitely affected the relationship between me and my congregation. Like we've, I've lost time with them, which I mourn a lot. Um, and I always wonder what kind of conversations could we be having at this point if we hadn't lost a solid year and a half and and um, had a pandemic interrupt what life looks like together in the church. Because um, when you're trying to come to people through a, a computer screen and you've not been able to have a Bible study in six months or something like that, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um and it disrupts the way that we can be the church and it disrupts the work that the church could be doing to have hard conversations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know even for, for myself, so I, I moved in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, so I moved last July and having those conversations now, granted I'm in a, I'm in a much different position now than I was where I came from, but having the conversations with the church that I already knew was easier and, and they disagreed with me on a lot of the decisions that I made, but I was able to share with them my heart and I was, and they were able to receive it because they're like, okay, we, we have enough time with her to know that she's doing this because she loves us, not because she wants to like 
see the church die or something like that or because she disrespects disrespects us but because at the end of the day it is her choice or her her decision as the head pastor yeah um and coming here i I didn't have that backup i'm sorry what were you saying and i was gonna say i had eight months with my church before the pandemic hit and that was it it was equally as hard you know i kind Mm -hmm. of knew them i kind of didn't we were just starting to build that relationship and so some people got my decisions other people didn't and was it only eight months into your appointment that yeah because it hit in march of 2020 and i started in july of 2019 so maybe just over oh my gosh this is in my first year i thought that you started in 2018 no oh my gosh yeah, that's really weird for me because I think I was I had served the, the church I was at for two and a half years prior mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. to the pandemic. So that was a little bit easier um, or easier in a sense. But yeah, I think having. Wow, I'm, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but I, I didn't even realize uh, it's um, better than starting at a new church in the middle of a pandemic like you did. Well, and, and truth be told, they've been rather gracious here. And again, one of the main differences, I think, is that I'm not I'm not the head pastor here. So that, that does make a, a difference in terms of how I'm perceived and what authority I have to make decisions or not make decisions. Um, but it's just, it's something, how do, you, how do you walk into a situation and now all of a sudden you're the decision maker? And it's like you have no no backing no way to prove that like you actually care Mm -hmm. um you don't have that grounded relationship with your people exactly um, where they can you know we talked a little bit beforehand about having these conversations in good faith well if your people you know that's why relationship needs to be like essential to the church because the only way we get through having the hard conversations with one another about anything whether it's how do we deal with a pandemic, whether it's about the Black Lives Matter movement and racism in the United States, or if, you know, about inclusion at the denominational level, it's only by having relationships and knowing, I know this person's heart, I know they're coming from a good place, I know they don't want to hurt me, that these conversations can be had. Absolutely. And, and I don't think that it's the perfect cure-all. I think that's, that's the other thing that I want to point out. It's not like all of a sudden then people, everyone's going to be like, sweet, I love you now. And it all works out. No, there's still challenge and it's still hard and it's, it, mm-hmm. and you still lose people. I think that's the, that's one of the biggest fears that I've found of pastors who, who try to avoid is, uh, try to avoid hard conversations is the idea that they don't want to lose people because they feel like they're excluding them from the body of Christ. And it's like, I think at some point we have to acknowledge that if we don't stand for anything, we fall for everything. Well, and are we even a church at that point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If if we stand for nothing, if we don't have these hard conversations, we don't really mean anything. What, what is our relevance outside of this building? And even then what's our relevance inside of this building? Like we have to have these conversations because everyone else is already having them. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they're, they're happening in the world. If they're not happening here, if they're not happening, it's not like they stop because we don't want to talk about them. All that right. happens and, is the church looks really foolish for not having a conversation about it. Right. And I mean, like, it's, it's just like they, they are already happening. What, one of the biggest things that I, you know, I think I 
did we reference my sermon series what's wrong with church already i don't remember i'm not sure i don't think so so feel uh, free to give that background yeah so i did a sermon series called what's wrong with church and just kind of asked around for you know what keeps you from going to church what made you stop going to church those kinds of things and the number one answer that I got, and this was just through social media on my community's Facebook page, but the number one answer I got was that the church just didn't have the the conversations that they needed to have. It didn't feel relevant. And it mm-hmm. felt like, you know, that there are some people who the, the church going in and hearing about um, how much God loves you and, and that sort of like uplifting um happy sort of message that's really good to get and you should you know and as a pastor I love to give those sermons of like let's find encouragement and uplifting but one of the biggest things I heard is that the church just doesn't challenge people anymore and if we don't challenge people and we don't try to find a way to make the gospel relevant to life now then what in the world are we doing and part of making the gospel relevant to life now is saying well, what is relevant to life now and what conversations do people want to have and and what do we need the Bible's help in addressing? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And in acknowledging that, again, sometimes people walk away for that. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. There's so many denominations out there. That's for sure. They're caught up in God's story in different ways, but they're still caught up in God's story. and, And you can find the place where you feel most authentically comfortable to worship. Yeah. And, and I think it's, um, I think it's always difficult for people to, to accept that it's okay. You know what I mean? Uh, And especially to accept that it's okay to be challenged when there's so many options out there. It's like, Mm -hmm. if I just find somebody, and we talked about this again uh, on our topic last week, about different denominations and how it can be easy to to just try to find someone who only affirms everything that you believe mm-hmm. um but but i think we really do need each other in a sense mm-hmm. to to build that fuller picture of what what the what the body of christ really looks like and if we don't challenge each other and we don't work together then we're ignoring the fact that god put us all in the church right right yeah there there's a reason and and sometimes the good and bad, you know, one of the things we, we talked a little bit about the Enneagram. One of the things I like about the Enneagram is that it, it talks about how your personality can change based on whether you're thriving or whether you're not. Right. So mm-hmm. like how you go into a defensive stance, like what does your personality transition to? And I think we can look at the different good, good things and the bad things that come with different denominations or, or with different viewpoints. I didn't mean denominations. I really meant viewpoints. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, the different viewpoints and we can see that there are some that are unhealthy and that are in a defensive stance. So mm-hmm. how do we help our congregations move out of this defensive stance and into a thriving stance? Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to be looking at is how can we stop making everything about personal attacks and start making it about thriving, having these hard conversations that, that both of us grow, not just one of us feels better because we've cathartically exploded which is, um, you know, probably my default to mm-hmm. cathartically explode upon people. <laughs> uh, but how do we, how do we productively push them forward? And I think that's really what the church needs to be looking at instead of, instead of saying, well, we just have differences of opinion here. Saying, 
okay, yeah, no, we have differences of opinion, but this is really what scripture says. And this is what, what we need to lean, lean towards. So how do I work with you on this, right? How do we, how do we push each other to, to have this full conversation and not to just have one person who's saying, this is what I believe it says, but having a group of people come together and saying, okay, this is what we see, right? That's why we're a body of Christ. That's why we're not just told to be people. And, and it's one thing we've lost in this individualistic nature of the church that exists today, which is, you know, good in some ways and bad in others because you should have a personal relationship, but you also need to acknowledge that we all have a part <laughs> and to ignore other people's parts is foolish. Mm-hmm. It, it is foolish and you will create the downfall of your own church. Um, at least in my opinion, see cathartic explosion. You're welcome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, no, you're right. I mean, it's all about finding, you know, it's all about finding that way to move forward together in a conversation. Like, okay, you know, I think this way, I think this way, and how do we move forward? And sometimes that moving forward looks like splitting off. Um, Wow. I'm trying to avoid the word. I tried to avoid the word split there, (laughs) but you know, sometimes that looks like growing apart as opposed to coming together, but Mm -hmm you know, you're still moving forward, even if you're moving forward in different directions, but sometimes you can find those ways to, to really have productive conversations and move forward together and say sometimes, and just be okay with like, if somebody takes one step forward, if you get that, you know, I've had conversations with people where we've not agreed on anything, but we've both come to, okay, well, I can understand this viewpoint of yours and you can understand this viewpoint of mine. And so we're one step forward. That's it. Sometimes that can be the best you get and that's okay too. Um, But you know, you don't have to drag someone along and badger them until they think like you think, but just a mutual respect for each other of we've had this conversation, we're having this conversation and we're doing what we can to move forward together is important. Yeah, and it's it's a journey, and not everyone is at the same point in that journey as well. I think it's important to acknowledge that. Not everyone grew up in the same world, the same environment, the same situations to, to see or learn. You know, I think one of the, the failings, uh, particularly of, of us seminarian folks, is that we assume that everybody has the same knowledge as us, and that they are just choosing to ignore it. And right. that's that's not fair mm-hmm. because we are literally in a position where we get to spend all day looking at ministry and, and the life of the church and how that relates to scripture and things like that. Like that is our career. It's not just our, you know, we, we get to focus on it more. And it's an unrealistic mm-hmm. expectation to assume that everybody else has the exact same amount of time to put into it that we do. Yeah, and not to mention, like, those of us who've gone to seminary, like, we've also studied this for two or three years, depending on what degree you got, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, we've had this very intentional time to have some of these hard conversations. Like, part of my experience and part of the way I view the world is because I went to Boston, just like one of the reasons why you have your experiences and the way you view the world is because you went to Asbury. And so we don't agree on everything because our experiences are different. But again, we have that relationship where we can still talk with each other. And then sometimes we're talking to people who, you know, they, they never went to college and that's fine and wonderful. 
and there are people who their master's degree is in gosh like biology or something completely different and we don't all have the same starting point for these conversations Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we forget that (laughs) absolutely and that that's okay and so I, now that we are at the end of our time, I'd like to thank you again, Elizabeth, for, for joining us here today. Um, it was a great conversation about hard conversations. Yeah. And as a, a final encouragement to, to all of you who are church leaders, who are church goers, really, I, I, I encourage you to push yourself to have these hard conversations, whatever it is. Like, And I think we all know what those topics are because it's the ones that we instantly like try to avoid. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or that causes us to like breathe deeper because we're like, oh crap, um, I don't want to talk about this right now. But but to face it head on and to honestly be willing to go in good faith and have that conversation, not just as a person, but as a church. Because your your church will do far better for working through it than it ever did just letting it sit there. Um, so I'd like to remind you that we are available. Our, if you want to look us up, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. And we're available to listen on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, and some more that I don't even know. That's a great thing to say when you host a podcast. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> For sure. And I'd also like to remind you about our supplemental Bible study, which is up to week seven. And week eight is released tomorrow of... Yeah, those are available Fridays uh, at 5 o'clock under the name Church is Stupid, Comma, But Bible Study Edition. So, from all of us here at Church is Stupid, Comma, But, I'm Ruth. I'm Andy. And thank you again, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you. And we hope you all have a great week. <laughs>